All right here on the mixtape, WJFF Radio Catskill. Friday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Marketplace on Main Street, home to Woolworth Yarn, the Calicoon Pantry, Early Bird Cookery, the Herbal Scoop, Channery Hill Farm, Vintage Maroc, and Lit Home and Book. From the Cooperage Project in Honesdale, dedicated to building community through performance, learning, markets, and good times. TheCooperageProject.org And from listeners like you. Welcome to the local edition news and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up tonight is it as it is Wednesday, Wednesday evenings, when we get the latest on jobs and the economy, including the latest employment report that came out last week. And for that, we turn to James B. Huntington for Workshift Live that's coming up in the second half of the program. First up, it's the other thing we do on a Wednesday, and that's when we check in on the latest news of the weekly news roundup. Joining us now is award-winning reporter Liam Mayo from the award-winning River Reporter. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us. So it's budget season, and uh, I heard that taxes might be going up in the town of Delaware, uh, property taxes anyway. And they've got a board meeting tonight where they'll be talking about it. And that's actually where you are right now? Yeah, I've driven about five minutes away from that to get signal. But um, I, in general, yes, that's where I've been. All right. And uh, what what's happened so far or have they gotten to the good stuff yet? So they've laid out sort of the general plan that they're doing for budget. Uh, the reason why the budget in the town of Delaware is a little contentious this year is um, a recent court decision or a court decision earlier in the year about the Villa Roma resorts, which determined that the Villa Roma had been um, assessed at too high a value for the past uh, since about 2017. And the judge's decision means uh, the Villa Roma's taxes are getting reduced by a lot. And the town, the county, and the school district has to pay back uh, some of the taxes that it had um, improperly collected over that past five years. Um, so the town of Delaware is currently trying to balance the budget around uh, $80,000 a year less in revenue from the Villa Roma going forward and around $400,000 that it needs to pay back this year to the Villa Roma um, to make up for those back taxes that it had improperly collected. Um, and what, from what I heard from the board meeting tonight, a lot of the actual numbers are still getting finessed, but the board is really trying to reduce the impact this is going to have on the average citizen of Delaware. Uh, it's trying to deal, you, it's trying to have a lot of budget cuts uh, to make up the $80,000, so trying not to put that burden on the taxpayers. And it's taking around $250,000 out of its fund balance to pay the back taxes. And the remaining portion of that will come out of the taxpayers' 
dime. I mean, I guess it's all the taxpayers' dime, but the remaining portion of that will come out of this year's taxes. So this year's taxes will be higher, but at least according to my understanding of what their current plans are, so a little bit of a grain of salt there as things are subject to change, um, this year's taxes will be higher uh, to make up those back taxes, but going forward, the deficit will be made up through budget cuts, not through higher taxes. At least that's the plan for now. I, I So just yeah. two things, just because the, there was a lot going on there. But So it sounds yeah. like because there there was uh, an improper tax surplus in pax, past years, now there's going to – meaning there was, there was uh, a, an unexpected surplus of taxes raised in past years. Now there's an unexpected deficit that they're trying to make up. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then and- – Oh, sorry. What was that? No, all you. Sorry. Well, no, I just wanted to go on to the next point, which is then I'm wondering, are there are there any or have there been or will there be any legal implications of this mistake? I mean, people might be upset. People might be mad. Those would be political ramifications, you know, at least when it comes time to, to vote for town boards and council people and things like that. But is there is there any like hard and fast like legal consequences for the town? I mean, as far as I understand, the judge's decision is sort of the end of the line in terms of the legal case between the town and the Villa Roma about its taxes. So, um, so that this is, this is the legal consequence. They're, they're dealing with it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The town, the town's had to pay back its money. There are a lot of other moving parts to this that I don't think we have quite the time to touch on with the school district and the county and, the fire and ambulance districts also having to pay back portions of the money, but uh, the town bit is sort of complicated enough without going into all of those tangents. Well, since you mentioned them, though, are you, you're talking about in, that's going on in the town of Delaware? Or does this go beyond the town of Delaware? It goes beyond the town of Delaware to a certain extent. Okay. Uh, there are the school has to pay back a certain amount of taxes, uh, Sullivan West, um, and the county has to pay back a certain amount of taxes. I've talked to representatives from both um, entities, and they're both sort of bigger entities with a lot more money going around. So they can absorb it is a, better. Yeah, yeah, they can absorb it better. Whereas the town of Delaware is actually one of the smaller. Um, the, the it has to pay a smaller amount proportional to the other parties in this, but because it has just so much less money in general, the impact is going to be a lot more. Okay. Well, let's uh, move on to the next uh, story. It's a story we've been following for a while because, you know, there was momentous gun control legislation passed by New York State in response to a Supreme Court ruling earlier in the year. We know we knew that people weren't happy about this new law and we knew that there would be some challenges to it. Uh, but now there there's a challenge uh, for the Northern Division of New York. What's an update on this uh, gun legislation reaction story? So the update from last week was that a judge um, in the Northern District of New York, uh, United States District Court, uh, this judge granted a temporary stay on portions of New York's gun legislation. Um, He kind of there, there was a lawsuit brought to him, and the petitioners were asking that the law be sort of temporarily restrained from coming into effect. 
And he went down um, sort of piece by piece through the law saying, well, this portion can stay, this portion um, will have to be uh, restricted. Uh, and this temporary restraining order would have just been until the actual, like, full debate about whether or not the law was constitutional could take place. This was just a portions of the law won't come into effect while we're having the rest of the legal case. So that was kind of last week's update. But the update as of a couple of hours ago is that New York State has itself appealed this appeal of the law. It asked a different court um, to uh, put a stay on this judge's decision uh, for now, and the court granted that stay. So for now, while another group of judges sort of reviews the decision, um, New York State's gun law is fully in effect. Okay. But, of course, there's always the other shoe that may drop, and I know you'll be keeping an eye on this story. So thank you for that update. And now, finally, and this is uh, this is a bit of a callback. I'm, I can't remember exactly when it was, but our own Rosie Starr did a special story on the crazy increase of vultures in Narrowsburg a couple years ago. And now we've got word of a case of highly pathogenic avian influenza confirmed in the black vultures around Narrowsburg. What's this about, Liam? Yeah. So a few weeks ago, uh, Nuremberg resident Lorraine Bowden noticed that some of the birds or some of the black vultures were acting very strangely, uh, notably sort of surrounding sick-looking members of their flock, killing them and eating them, which is not a normal thing for birds to do, one might imagine. And she called the DEC to see if they could like come and take a look at it. The DEC did come and take a look at it, and they've since uh, confirmed that uh, the sick birds that were getting targeted um, contained uh, traces of this uh, bird flu. Um, it's uh, something of concern to like poultry farmers and just to people with flocks in the area. Um, but it is also not a completely out of the ordinary thing. Um, I was looking at um, the CDC's sort of tracker on um, bird flu in wild populations across the United States. And I believe that it, it's been found in 46 states and around two, a little over 2,000 birds. Um, so it's a little concerning for, that it's coming to our area in this wild flock, but it's not um, drastically far out of the ordinary. Um, any indication of any steps that the DEC or other entities might take in response to this? Um, the DEC has uh, said they're not taking any action in response to this. Uh, they do kind of recommend that if a property owner can dispose of their dead birds, they should do so. Um, but they, they'll be monitoring the situation, but there aren't specific steps that they can take. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for giving us uh, that story. Uh, in the final minute, can you give us an idea of what will be in the River Reporter tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, we've got a Pets Edition with uh, some lovely stories. Um, we've got a current story about the uh, Greater Pike Community Foundation and 
a little bit of a teaser for logging days in Narrowsburg. Oh, yeah, logging days is coming up. Well, Liam, I, I want to wish you all the best. Hey, yeah, do you think, how late do you think that uh, uh, meeting is going to go there in town of Delaware uh, board meeting that you're at? How late do you think that's going to go? I, I don't anticipate it'll go quite too late. Um, I, I haven't been there very often, but I've heard that uh, it uh, sort of moves along quickly. All right. So I would say if you get a chance, let everybody there know that uh, they can listen to the Retro Cocktail Hour on their way home on Radio Catskill, because uh, I think they might they, they could stand that to relax. They could use that. So let everybody know. Tell everybody. Do. All right. Thanks so much. Best of luck, Leah Mayo from The River Reporter. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. And, of course, the latest edition of The River Reporter is out on newsstands tomorrow, if there are still newsstands out there. Also, the digital version. And you'll hear Leah Mayo again when he does the headlines first for both New York and Pennsylvania right here on Radio Catskill running through the weekend. And he'll join us right back here for our weekly news roundup next Wednesday. Stay right where you are because coming up next, it's Work Shift Live with James B. Huntington. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. I'm Daryl Brogdon. We're at the Underground Martini Bunker again to hear the music that's always shaken, not stirred. We're here with the Retro Cocktail Hour every week on WJFF Radio Catskill in Jeffersonville, New York. And you are most welcome to join us. Wednesday night at 8 on Radio Catskill. Hello, my name is John Gordon, and I host a music show right here on WJFF called Ramble Tamble. It airs every Thursday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. I love music, and I play all kinds of different music. That's Ramble Tamble, Thursday night, 7 to 9, right here on WJFF. This is Radio Catskill letting you know that there's a chance of some rain tonight, cloudy, and a few showers possible after midnight with a low of 49. Showers and thunderstorms very likely tomorrow. Storms may contain some strong gusty winds, high of 61, and rain is likely to continue tomorrow night, even into the overnight with a low down to 42. This is the local edition, and right now we do what we do at this time on the local edition on Wednesday evening as we find out about the latest on jobs and the economy around our listening area, around the country, around the world. For that, we check in with James B. Huntington for another edition of Work Shift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. All right, well, James, I've been looking forward to this conversation since this time last week because I knew that there'd be an employment report out uh, last Friday. It came out. What did it say, and what do you think about it? Yes, well, we gained 263,000 net new non-farm positions which is close to the 250,000 estimate, still excellent, although it's down because our population increase doesn't mean we can handle a fifth of that. 
you have adjusted and unadjusted unemployment of 3.5 and 3.3%. We have 200,000 fewer unemployed people than a week before. We have 700 and some thousand down a little on temporary layoff, 1.1 million out for 27 weeks or longer. The employment population ratio and the labor participation rate were down a little bit at 60.1% and 62.3%. We have wages going up 10 cents per hour, less than inflation, but better than it has been. And we have the AJSN American job shortage number telling us that latent demand for jobs is down 700,000, which is quite a lot. What does that last number mean? What does that indicate to you? The last number means that the workforce is matching up better with employment than it has in the past. We have people who are choosing to work are getting jobs more often. Sometimes this AJSN can go up when a lot of people get back into the labor force and don't find work yet. But now they are getting work. Generally, we have a very good match, a very good match between employers and potential employees. Right. And does do you think the the fact that inflation went up and, and people are more worried about their finances than they were um, maybe last year, um, does that have anything to do with this, or is this just a, a normal settling out that you were expecting? Well, people are still spending freely. More businesses are willing to pay current market rates. That is getting better, and that's really why inflation is continuing. So we are going to have good sales for quite a while longer with things, although that will slow down as people get it out of their systems after COVID isolation and COVID generally hampering the plans people have made. Okay. Now, um, we were speaking about uh, fast food drive-throughs a couple weeks ago and uh, some changes coming to fast food restaurants, greater automation, greater emphasis on drive-throughs, but it looks like you're you're still following uh, uh, labor-related stories dealing with fast food changes. Which ones? Uh, how are their drive-throughs doing? Well, I have a report here on the speed people are taking to go through drive-throughs. Mm-hmm. The fastest, the fastest and slowest among fast food chains. The one that did best, actually, was Taco Bell at less than four minutes per customer, Hmm. followed in order by Dunkin' Donuts, KFC, Arby's, Burger King, and then to the below average ones, Hardee's, Wendy's, Carl's Jr., McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A. Now, these are not all fair comparisons Mm -hmm. because the number of cars in the drive-thru has varied a lot. Well, that's that's what I was wondering. Is is there a way to contrast those basic numbers with how much business these places are doing? Well, the two that got the slowest ratings on the drive-through also have the most average cars in the drive-through. 
Chick-fil-A has about five and a half, which is way higher than anyone else. They're quite popular now. And McDonald's was second with over three. We do have some exceptions that show up. <clears throat> Taco Bell was the best, but it was there were four that had fewer average cars and did not turn out as fast. You can see there are some differences here. Arby's, for example, did well on both. It was fourth highest in number of cars and fourth highest in speed. There are differences. Another factor that was not mentioned in the article was the size of the menu. Taco Bell's menu may be relatively small, whereas McDonald's has been fighting menu expansion and making decisions at times to take things off the menu because they, the restaurants just had to make too many things. It's compared with what they were like when I was in my teens, there are vastly more items. They might have had six or seven or eight things on the menu now, and now they have 30 or 40. Yeah, so, that it seems to be an inherent conflict because, uh, or that that move is in conflict with the original model. The original model is you have a stripped down menu that's uh, easy to assemble to to you know create overturn so you can get through the line, get through the customers quicker. But to even get customers, I guess they have to offer more options now. Yes, they do. That's a great trade off, and you can bet the managements of these companies are burning brain cells trying to figure out just where their brand should come in on that choice. Yeah. Um, you know, you read you, you read all of the, you know, the trades or whatever, the economic news. You, you got your eye on the news for economics and jobs, um, and you, you come across a lot of lingo that way. I'm wondering if there's any buzzwords that you've been encountering that, that you find annoying or maybe other people find annoying related to uh, work and the workplace. Yeah, so this was a study that was made by what annoys people the most, and they're not all new, but the most irritating buzzword in this study here was new normal, to be followed by company <laughs> culture, circle back, boots on the ground, give 110%, low-hanging fruit, win-win, <laughs> Move the needle, growth hacking, and think outside the box. Okay. Yes, if you find yourself in a cubicle sort of workplace and falling back a lot on these things, you might cut them back because they're, the semantic content of some of them is going down. The more they're used, the more they're sort of thrown in as a catch-all or whatever, they're some of them can be apt in some situations, but others are getting stale, finally. So there you are. I was expecting to hear, um, put a pin in that, but uh, I guess let's circle back. <laughs> circle back is close enough uh, to that Well, one. maybe that was 11. But how about you? Do you have a personal one that's annoying you? Well, I don't get them now that I'm not in cubicle land, haven't been for a while. I'm not getting these nearly as much. It's like... But you can empathize with those who are. I can empathize with those who are. I think give 110% is awfully stale. It's been around for a while, yeah. Yeah, and that... It's, <laughs> I mean, if 
I think if uh, there are so many work situations where if people would give 50%, they would be massively more productive. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, do you want to go over the latest on uh, stock oil, precious metals, crypto prices, all of that? What are the indicators saying right now? Yes. Well, it was a rather poor week, a down week. We have gold at 1673 down $43, silver at 19 which is down $1.56 a lot. The Dow is down over a thousand to reach twenty nine two eleven at the point of today. Oil eighty seven dollars and ten cents. That's down eighty nine cents. That one's surprisingly flat. Bitcoin at nineteen thousand one seventy nine down nine hundred thirty. We have the pound, which has had some. There have been some internal British problems bringing it down extra large. It's a dollar eleven down about two and a half cents. We have the euro at ninety seven cents going for a multi decade low and Japan is still having its aches with a sixty eight cent hundred yen coin. So it seems like the traders and all seem sure that the Fed is going to raise interest rates another half point, three quarters of a point, and probably they will. All right. Well, thank you for going over the latest on that with us. And now uh, we've got just a few minutes left to check in with our friends, the robots, keeping an eye on artificial intelligence and robots as they affect the workplace on our regular segment, Robot Watch, here on WorkShift Live. Uh, James, how are delivery robots helping with the current labor situation? Well, mainly they're filling gaps where there aren't enough workers. There are getting to be a lot of them. Interesting. They have a, a service at the Cincinnati airport, for example, that will allow flyers to use phone apps, order food and retail items, and have them delivered to them quickly at their gate. The robots seem to be able to get through crowds. They're working well. There's not been a single safety problem with these there. They're moving on to Philadelphia, and Rome. So, we're going to have more roles. They come and go. We had a problem with Amazon not being able to continue one of its delivery apps. But generally, delivery robots are expanding. It's not going to be a straight line, but it will be. there will be more and more of them. Okay, and how about the, back to fast food again, robot fast food cooks, is there an update on how they're doing? Well, we have a headline here that a robot fast food cook, a new one, costs less than half a human worker. That's a lot larger gap before. It was really quite close or 20% better or worse or whatever. Now they have Wingman, which can fry chicken wings and french fries and other things there. It's a good companion to the Flippy, which flips hamburgers. And they are claiming that you can put one in for something like 4 or $5 an hour, which is a lot less than what human workers are going with, especially with wages going up and up. So they're saying that even if a worker gets $7 unweighted, unexpanded by anything else, which is wrong, that they can come in half of that price. 
So we'll see. We need widespread implementation to see if these things will go, but it's another possibility, and it, it, it seems like it'll endanger a lot of jobs if fast food wages keep getting higher and higher, especially in California where they're talking about raising them as high as $22 an hour. So... It doesn't matter how much the jobs pay if there aren't any. So that's the conflict that's coming up real fast. All right, and I'll say oh, two things on that. One, everybody needs a good wingman, but I'll always be a fan of Flippy First. I'll make a pin yeah. that says Flippy First, yes. And um, when you talk about robots costing less than half a human worker, let's please not get uh, cut any human workers in half. Especially not when yeah, we're talking about robots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. James B. Huntington, thank you so much for that latest edition of Robot Watch and WorkShift Live. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. All right, so that's going to do it for us here on the local edition. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Remember, if you missed any of this program, you can go back, catch us on the archive. Make sure you never miss any edition of the local edition. Sign up for the local edition podcast wherever you get your podcast from Radio Catskills local edition. I'm Jason. I'll be back tomorrow at this time, 630 to 7. Coming up, we've got Let's Talk Vets. And then after that, it's the Retro Cocktail Hour. Stay tuned. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Jeffersonville Bake Shop, offering breakfast and lunch to go or to stay, and coffee, Wi-Fi, and space for getting work done remotely. JeffersonvilleBakeShop.com From The Schwangunk Journal, serving the towns of Warwasing, Crawford, Mamakating, Rochester, Schwangunk, and everything in between. SchwangunkJournal.com WJFF Jeffersonville, W233 